Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is coming quick. We've just seen what our teams are now capable of doing, so it's time to get in on the action. Let's go. Let's get some sweet, sweet money on these playoffs, all right? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? Can anyone beat the Niners in the NFC? How about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Well, I'm sure you've got some feelings, some opinions on this. Head on over to mybookie.ag and make those predictions a cash reality. My bookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for bowl games, my bookie is where you want to go as well. Football's not your thing, huh? I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but okay, that's fine. You like it, you don't want to bet on it. How about basketball? NBA, college, my bookie has it all, including everything all the way to the Premier League, if you want to bet on that. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than just about any other sports book around. Give it a shot. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you'll get an extra grand and free money to play with. All you've got to do is enter my promo code, ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Promo code ZABE to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code ZABE to get your extra cash from my bookie. You bet, you win, and you get paid. Today on the ZABEcast, the college football playoffs have delivered one snoozer, one thriller, and a whole bucket of bitching about the refs, rules, and replay. My thoughts on all of it right here. NFL Week 17, Packers escape. Patriots choke and Black Monday is upon us. Is Bruce gone? We'll see. All that plus death by Amazon truck. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Monday, December 30th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Hope you had a smashing Christmas and have big plans for New Year's Eve. I am on today on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. I am off today on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. Now you'd think that seems odd. Why is that the case? Isn't Monday going to be a big day in D.C. with the Uh, expected ouster or reassignment of Bruce Allen and the potential introduction of a new head coach. Maybe Ron Rivera, more on that in a second. I would have done Monday and Tuesday, but the company, uh, Radio One, has a policy you cannot carry over vacation days. I would have gladly taken those two days, Monday, Tuesday, which would have been big news days, and then pushed them just slightly into 2020, but that's not company policy. And if you think I'm going to leave a single vacation day on the table? No, and and, and neither should you either. So you'll get my analysis here, and we've got capable people at Team 980, Scott Jackson and others, Fred Smoot, that'll be there to cover whatever happens today uh, at Redskins Park, and then I'll be back on Thursday, at which time we'll know a whole lot more, and believe me, I'll have plenty of thoughts then. In the meantime, welcome here. I'll give you my thoughts here today. By the way, for those who are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, We are coming up on year three. Two years now I've been doing this. And we have built, and we, we, me and Chris Broussard, who is uh, my marketing and technology ninja from enlutions.com, E-N-L-O-U-T-I-O-N-S, 
com. Great guy, uh, very smart guy, and has done wonders for me in the podcast. Has really done a lot of work behind the scenes uh, to get this to where we want it to be. And there's a lot of tech tech that goes into it. There's a lot of not tech per se. There's a lot of uh, I don't know. There's a lot of digital mumbo jumbo. I don't even understand with RSS feeds and you know servers and how podcasts get pushed out into the world how people use them receive them store them listen collect them how you set up paywalls how other podcasters handle a premium or next level type of revenue stream and on and on and on anyway if you need anybody who's a digital ninja marketing genius all around great guy He's here in the D.C. area, but uh, he can do projects around the country. Uh, give, him, give him a ring. That's uh, Chris Broussard. No relation to the Broussard that is uh, the Chris Broussard who comments on the NBA. His brother, though, Chris Broussard, my Chris Broussard, does work for the NBA. So that's very confusing and odd in a totally different capacity. Anyway, andlutions.com. Two-year anniversary Coming up, two-year anniversary, third, third birthday, whatever you want to call it. we got a wonderful following, a wonderful growing subscriber base. I appreciate everybody's five bucks a month. If you are a subscriber, you got the mega football five ways Friday while I was off last week. And I've got big plans for 2020 for those who, who subscribe to our Friday edition of this podcast. So I would encourage you to jump on board if you like to support the uh, podcast and keep it going for another... 10 years, maybe. Who knows? And yes, by the way, I've bought the van. The Zabecast van, the Zabe Broadcast van, the Urban Assault vehicle, the van of hugs and free candy, the van of truth, it's going to go by a lot of different names, is being finished as we speak. And hopefully in the next two weeks, it'll be done. And then I can start rolling it out and start interviewing people and rolling up to their house, and I'll be able to strike anywhere, anywhere on land with this thing. And I thank you for everybody who said, hey, when you asked for people to subscribe, and if they do, you'll buy the van, I'm one of those guys. Well, thank you. Boom, boom. The van is coming. I'll even give you a ride in the van. Maybe. Some restrictions restrictions apply. May not apply to all subscribers. Uh, Check local listings for details. Okay, let's get to the college football. Yeah, it's five minutes in. I got nothing so far. LSU destroyed Oklahoma. I think the final score was 107 to 19. Check score. Not exactly. 63 to 28? Yes, that's it right there. That was a royal ass kicking, and it could have been a lot worse. Let's start with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is now 0-4 in the college football playoff. They got rolled by LSU in this one, giving up, what, seven first-half touchdown passes to one Joe Burrow, the expected first pick of the draft for the Cincinnati Bengals. More on him in a second. Uh, They got beat by Alabama last year, 45-34. They were down 21-0 in a blink, and then Bama kind of played around with them like a cat playing around with a bird it had caught. They lost to Georgia in double overtime in the Rose Bowl against Baker Mayfield, 50, with Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma, excuse me, 54-48, uh, to 48, your final score there in uh, 
you know, two years ago. That was their best showing so far. And they lost to Clemson in year two of the college football playoff, 37 to 17. Now, I'm not here to say that Oklahoma doesn't belong in the college football Final Four, the college football playoff, because they're in a weak conference and they're the best of a weak conference. I'm just saying they probably don't belong in the college football playoff because they're in this weak conference. What the hell did you just say? I thought you said you weren't going to say that. Well, I didn't mean to say it that bluntly, but I mean, at some point you have to say, I know they've got a great record and they've played some good non-conference opponents, but they don't do well in this thing. They're not competitive except for the one year they had Baker Mayfield. They're not competitive in this whole thing. And by the way, after the first year of the college football playoff, which produced Ohio State and Oregon in the title game, that was the Jameis Winston versus, or excuse me, not Jameis Winston, that was uh, uh, Marcus Mariota. No, I'm sorry. It was Jameis Winston winning that year. But it was the year that Mariota was there with Oregon. Oregon and Ohio State were the only two non-Bama Clemson or other LSU entrants in the college football final four. Ohio State and Oregon year one, and that's it. Otherwise, it's been a Bama, Clemson, Georgia, and now LSU affair. Or in other words, it's an SEC affair along with Clemson, who has remade itself into an SEC-like program in terms of talent with Dabo Swinney. So Oklahoma gets destroyed. Justin Jefferson went nuts for LSU. 14 catches, 227 yards receiving. Um, four touchdown catches. Joe Burrow had seven touchdowns throwing, one rushing, 29 of 39, nearly 500 yards. Could have been a whole lot more. Uh, and they let their foot off the gas out of mercy. The play that impressed me the most about Burrow, he went the play where he sprinted from the left hash mark all the way to the right sideline on a dead run and then lobbed an amazing pass with accuracy down the sideline to a guy that could go up and get the ball for his team. It, it was a bit of a risky throw. It was not, though, a blind heave. It was a calculated, worthwhile risk, and he did it while getting hit. Amazing. Burrow is more athletic, I think, than people give him credit for. And I'm becoming a bigger and bigger believer the more that I see. Randy Moss's son had a touchdown. They showed Randy Moss in the stands. Damn, I am old. I hate getting and being old. I didn't see Randy Moss's mom in the stands. And I don't know if uh, Mr. Moss and Mrs. Moss are still a thing, uh, but I'm sure they're both very proud of Randy Moss's son, who's a bigger, beefier version of dad, but looks like he's going to be a Sunday NFL player or a Sunday football player, just like his dad. I was moved a bit by Jalen Hurts after the game. He said pretty much this was devastating because for his whole life, every bad game, every loss, there is always that chance to say, okay, I've got a chance to fix it in the next game. I got a chance to bounce back in the next game. I got a chance in the off season to get better, to do what I need to do to go next level. Now, what do I got? Jalen Hurts is, I'm guessing, a marginal pro prospect, if that. I have not really read any scouting reports on is he going to be a good pro quarterback. I believe the consensus is probably not. 
So this was a question that popped into my mind as I'm watching a crushed Jalen Hurts talk about the end of his likely competitive football career. Question, if Jay Billis got his way and we started paying college kids to play college football and college, get the air quotes, basketball, and let's say that Jalen Hurts was making, I don't know, 120 grand a year. I'm just throwing a number out there. Then do we still make these kids stay eligible academically? In other words, do you keep in place the same mechanisms of enforcement, GPA, progress to a degree, uh, eligibility? You can't cheat by having some, you know, smart girl in glasses write your student papers for you. I'm looking at you, North Carolina, and other schools. Do we still keep that in place? Because if we're paying a guy like Jalen Hurts to play football for 120 grand for Oklahoma football, whatever that really means at that point, then why do we make them stay eligible academically? Well, we don't have to. They can they can go ahead and get if they want to get their degrees, Abe. That's fine. They'll have the chance to do that. But we're not going to keep tabs on them. If they're if they're flunking out. Who cares? Okay. Then do we still have the four-year eligibility requirement? Because, in other words, what if Jalen Hurts could say, you know what, I'm probably not going to be a pro. I'd like to stay a fifth year, a sixth year, a seventh year, because you know what? <laughs> Playing college football, even at a piddling, piddling, 120 grand a year, is still the greatest thing going. It's a hypothetical Maybe a dumb one, but the thought crossed my mind as I watched Jalen Hurts gutted on that podium. But I'm sure Billis has his white paper where he lays out specifically exactly how he'd pay these poor, exploited kids, including the ones like Jalen Hurts who are devastated at no longer being able to play college football. He didn't look exploited to me. He looked crushed. He looked like, damn it, this was the best time of my life, and now it's over. Of course, the anti or the non-competitive semis brought a lot of people out of the woodwork on social media to say, we got to be able to do better. And that brought up people going, yeah, well, some people want to go to eight teams. Do you really want to see? I believe Mr. X was on this. He goes, okay, now that LSU crushed the fourth best team in the country, allegedly in Oklahoma, would you really have wanted LSU to crush the eighth best team first and then go through another round? Drew Olson, my colleague and friend there at 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, said, yeah, but this happens sometimes. Still, I think we should go eight teams anyway. To which I replied, so in other words, it's a bad idea, but let's do it anyway. I'm not sure there are eight good teams. Now, there's ways you can do it. He said, fold in the conference championship games to the eight-team playoff. Okay, you could do that. But would the conferences want that, per se? And then who is going to get an automatic seat at the table? I prefer, if we're going to eight, you give the five power conferences an automatic seat at the table, and then you give three at-large berths. Oh, excuse me. five power the, the power five get an automatic seat. So you win your conference championship game, you're in. Doesn't matter how bad your conference is. Doesn't matter how bad you might be. You're in. It's a defined path type deal that may sometimes leave out a good team, but you'll have two at large berths. So let's say a Clemson were to lose 
their conference title game in a fluke type of deal, you wouldn't necessarily have to leave them out. They could get one of the two at-large berths, and then you give one of the non-Power Fives an automatic seat as determined by committee. So they wouldn't have a conference. You'd call from all the non-Power Five conferences. There's your eight teams. It's very defined. It's very set. A little bit of wiggle room to help mop up mistakes. And you go from there. Now, you're going to have to play these games in rapid succession. Do you know when the college football championship game is? I was stunned when I heard this. It's Monday, January 13th. Two weeks from today. And 14 days from the actual semifinals. That's ridiculous. Uh, The previous high was 11 days between the two games. And in recent years, the last two years, I think the championship game was on the 8th and the 9th of January. This is going to be Monday the 13th. Now, I don't know why they added this extra time in, but okay, whatever. So let's move on to the other game. Actually, before we move on, the story involving the death of Carly McCord, a young sports television reporter in Louisiana and the daughter-in-law of Joe Ensminger, who is the offensive coordinator at LSU, one of the guys primarily responsible for helping turn Joe Burrow into a superstar. Her death, along with four others on a horrific plane crash on the morning of the game, was one of the unbelievable stories regarding LSU versus Oklahoma that it was Ed Orgeron who had to inform Coach Ensminger that, I'm sorry, but your daughter was in a fatal plane crash. She didn't make it. Ensminger, and I hope I'm saying that right, I should probably check. Would have been good to check before you went live. Okay, we're starting out the new year. Just the same way we begin it. Ensminger. 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 The fact that he coached was remarkable. To be able to focus enough to do a complicated job even if LSU is going to overwhelm Oklahoma no matter what, was remarkable. And I don't want to make this all about just him and just his daughter-in-law because there was four other souls that perished on that plane and another person who was fighting for his life, and they all have families too. So I don't want to commit the sports media sin of, oh, we only care about people we vaguely know or people within our sports realm that we can sympathize with. Everybody else, ah, too bad. This was a a horror show of a story that you can hardly get your head around, and the fact that uh, Coach Ensminger actually coached in the game is amazing. Now, it's fine that he did so. Uh, He said to his son, uh, who had just lost his wife, by the grace of God, we're going to get through this, and then went out and coached the game. I mean, to each his own, I I will not judge. But here's what I don't like. The media, if they were being consistent, the same media that praised Daniel Hudson of the Nationals for missing a potential Game 1 save opportunity, he was not needed, by the way, in the NLCS for the Nats against the Cardinals because he was there with his wife in the hospital for a routine childbirth, second childbirth, and didn't get on a plane until too late to make it for game one. Every one of the media is like, 
He's got his priorities in order. Family first. Okay, you media peacockers who wrote those columns and had those takes, I want you to be consistent, and I want you to rip Coach Ensminger saying, what is wrong with you? Your daughter-in-law died the morning of a game, and you're like, oh, screw it, got a coach. Go ahead, rip him. That's all I want. I want consistency. That's that's all. And I understand the responsibility to others that he said, you know what? If I miss out on this game, if I don't find a way to cope through it, then I could let down a bunch of kids who were counting on me to be there to coach them in a big game like this. I get that. And I understand that everybody grieves differently. But maybe the media should just get out of the whole fawning over guys who put family first when it comes to the birth of a child. And then something like this happens like, well, you know, everybody deals with it differently. The last ad on this is, and by the way, I'm not ripping uh, Ensminger or any media person in general. I'm just saying the easy stories to write about, oh, this was the right thing to do. Family first. Okay. Here's the other side of it. Anyone going to come out and Rip him going, I can't believe he did this? Of course not. Last thing I'll say about this. There was uh, people that were nearby when the plane crashed. And the plane is on the ground and it's burning. Uh, It has clipped several cars in a post office. Terrible, horrific scene. And of course, people are filming it. And you know how they're filming it? Fucking vertically. Really? This bothers you? People died. Yeah, I know. People died anyway. I just, <laughs> the vertical videoing. Uh, there's a plane on fire. Boop. Oh, maybe I should turn this sideways. This might be on the TV. They might want to use this and then they go, it's going to have a vertical video thing. For those who don't know what VVS is, here, this was a viral clip that went viral, oh God, probably eight years ago now. And we seemingly have made no inroads on the scourge that is vertical video syndrome. Say no to vertical videos. Vertical videos happen when you hold your camera the wrong way. Your video will end up looking like crap. These are little puppets, stupid puppets, explaining why VVS is a problem. (laughs) Say no. Say no. To vertical videos. And if you see someone doing it, say, you're not shooting that right, dummy. <laughs> you know, there was a, I believe JP Finley or Peter Haley for NBC Sports Washington caught a great shot of Bruce Allen walking briskly in the opposite direction as Dan Snyder and Alex Smith exited the bowels of AT&T stadiums. And it was a great shot. It was vertical. I'm going to lose my mind over this. I'm going to be like grimy in The Simpsons when he couldn't take it anymore and killed himself mocking Homer Simpson. This whole plan is insane. Insane, I tell you. ah, ah. I can be lazy too. Look at me. I'm a worthless employee just like Homer Simpson. Give me a promotion. (laughs) Oh, I eat like a slob, but nobody minds. I'm peeing on the seat. Give me a raise. (laughs) Now I'm returning to work without washing my hands. But it doesn't matter because I'm Homer Simpson. 
I don't need to do my work, because someone else will do it for me. Do, do, do. Hey, you okay, Grimy? I'm better than okay. Grimy. I'm Homer Simpson. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> you wish. So, the war against vertical video syndrome rages on, just like the war against replay. And it doesn't seem like I'm winning either war. Ohio State blows it against Clemson. Now, I'll take this from two angles. By the way, uh, did I give enough credit to LSU? They're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. They're a machine. And by the way, I did put my bet down already. LSU minus five and a half at mybookie.ag. You can wager as well. Little friendly amounts at mybookie.ag. It's a great place to get a little sweet action on the games that you are watching. That's right. And remember, let's get ready to gamble. Bet with your head, not over it. So, full credit to LSU. And full credit to Clemson. Clemson was tested. Clemson came through. Clemson didn't blink. You know I'm a Dabo stan, and I'm a Clemson stan. So, I was like, okay, awesome. Uh, I don't look like a fool because they were getting their ass handed to them by Ohio State. I I watch every game now based upon my own takes on what I think is going to happen. And had Ohio State not blown this game six different ways to Sunday, and had they not got stung by three, well, two really tough calls, then it'd be a whole different story. So full credit to Clemson. That said, wish it, want it, you blew it, Ohio State. Let's start with the biggest play of the game. The targeting call on a sack by Sean Wade of Trevor Lawrence was, I think, a joke. Now, I know there's people that said, but that's how it's called. You don't watch enough college football. He lowered his head. Yeah, he did lower his head. Yeah, the crown of the helmet did catch him in the shoulder. Yeah, I get all that. But if you were to, I went back and I looked at the moment in which he lowered his head. That would be Sean Wade. It was literally maybe five or six frames of video or... One, what would that be if it's 30 frames per second video? I mean, we're talking a 20, one twentieth? No, one fifth. One fifth of one second or something like that. It was so last minute. And I know you're supposed to say, well, tackle them heads up. Man, it is, you're talking about a big old oak tree of a kid in Trevor Lawrence. And you're coming full speed And you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I not catch him up by the helmet? How do I not get a face mask? How do I not get a penalty for hitting him in the head? What do I do? Am I going to try to go down and get my shoulder into him? Is my head up? It is not as easy as everyone says. Or not everyone. It's not as easy as some people say. So that was a terrible call because it would have been 16-0. They would have had to punt on 4th and 18 or whatever it is. Instead, they get an automatic first down. They go on uh, to get on the board. Uh, The touchdown run, by the way, by Trevor Lawrence, I think was born in part of the fact that they were now afraid to hit him. He made a great move to kind of deke the defender for Ohio State that he's going out of bounds, and then he's like, oh, no, I'm not. When he turns it upfield, like, damn, big old white boy with the hair can run. So that was a tough call. Huge, game-changing, momentum-changing call. The second one was when Jordan Fuller scooped and scored on what was initially ruled a fumble after Justin Ross near the sideline 
uh, for Clemson. Dropped the ball after taking four steps, clearly catching the ball. That's a catch. Terry McCauley, NBC, tweeted, this is a great angle. There is absolutely no way replay should have reversed it. Indisputable video evidence is simply not there. Dave Kataya, the ESPN refereeing expert, had this convoluted take by saying, well, with replay, if it's a foot in bounds, I'd like to see it in slow motion. But if it's a catch or not a catch, I want to see that see that in real time. He also said, I would have liked to have seen him make a football move, like try to turn it up field. <laughs> he was being tackled. He had the ball clearly in his two hands, away from his body, which, by the way, is good technique. And he took four steps. I, free, I, I didn't go back to look at how many yards that play would have gained had he not fumbled, but that would have been a yardage-gaining possible first-down catch had he held on to it. Well, he did hold on to it. Had it not been overturned, that's a catch. But you know we're living in a day and age in which nobody knows what is or is not a catch. Joel Klatt of Fox Sports said, if you watch any of the games that I call, you know that I feel college football replay is broken and the lack of consistency is troubling at best. And I just spoke with Ohio State Athletics Director Gene Smith, and he is livid with what he feels like was a clear overreach from replay tonight. Well, (laughs) that's the false god you people worship. Until we get rid of all of this, until we throw every stupid replay machine, including the little dinky dainty ones they use in college, throw them in the river and get rid of it entirely, this will continue. Because replay has now ruined what's a catch, what's not a catch. What's P.I., what's not P.I. What is targeting, what is not. What is unnecessary roughness, what is not. And on and on and on. We are so bound up in trying to dissect the minutia. The game's been lost. Sports are ruined, man. Well, you're still watching them. Yes, I am. But they're ruined in terms of the way I used to enjoy sports. And you might say, well, you ever going to not you know, stop watching them? Well, it is my job. But I don't know. Give it a few more years. I don't know. See, my, the problem is my whole life has been trained where I don't know what else to do. This is what I do. It's what you do as well as a sports fan. We watch sports. So it may take a number of years for me to go, I, I got to find a new hobby or something else to do. All this, the sports, I the, the way I used to like sports was game, calls, good, bad, not perfect, winner, touchdown, hooray, boo, my team won, my team lost, that's in the end zone, that's not, let's move on, the games get done in a reasonable amount of time, has completely blown apart to be something that is entirely unsatisfying now. But yeah, for now I'm still watching, but they're ruined. All that said, all that said, Ryan Day just lost his nerve at the end. Punting on fourth and four with three minutes and seven seconds left from the plus 39. What are you doing? I would have gone for it, but I do realize I'm just a fat middle-aged man drinking whiskey on the couch. I'm not pouring my whole life and soul into this. I don't know all the things Ryan Day knows. All I know is I rarely see teams that punt on fourth and less than five in the final five minutes of a game on the plus side of the field. I rarely see those teams go on to glory. And the hell of a thing was they almost got it right back as uh, Darian Kendrick let it hit him in the ass. 
and then he jumped on it. it almost a turnover right away. Of course, Ryan Day didn't go for two then. Uh, before that, which had many people going, wait, hold on. You got a one-point lead. You could make it three. Two doesn't really do you any favors unless maybe you're worried about them scoring and then you come back and score again. Uh, four plays, 78 yards later with Travis Etienne doing his thing, and that was that. So Ohio State, two huge calls go against them. Very tough calls. Then you had the roughing the punter. That was a mistake on their own part. Stupid. I mean, you're going to get great field position. What are you going for a block in that situation? They kicked three field goals early on to forfeit 12 possible points. It could have been 28 to nothing. They had a seven-minute drive that ended in a punt in this game. And then the Justin Fields interception to end the game. I didn't have a – I mean, those things do happen. But that was a second down throw with plenty of time left and timeouts, I think, in their pocket still to not take that kind of a risk. But it's his first year as a full-time starter. I mean, what are you going to do? Fields, by the way, shook the hand of every media member and uh, wished them a happy new year as he concluded his post-game comments. Kid's got class. I think he's going to be a a damn good pro after next year. We'll see. Probably the number one pick. Well, I don't know. He's going to come out and look class with Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know why we wouldn't see these two teams back again against each other next year. We'll see. Like I said, there were some awesome plays in this game. Lawrence's touchdown run was amazing. Etienne is amazing. Dobbins is sick. Would have been a different game if he didn't get banged up in it. Uh, like I said, Fields looks great. Chase Young had a quiet game, and people were chirping on social, going, oh, yeah, Mr. Great Chase Young. Eh, okay. And then the, this kid Tanner Muse, the captain uh, for Clemson on defense. Big dude and white guy who plays safety, I'm assuming he's a Sunday player. He was a finalist for his positional award. I forget what they name it after on, on the defensive side. But he made a shoestring tackle of Dobbins that saved four points in the game. Then I was like, damn, who is that big, tall, white kid who ran down Dobbins and tripped him with a, with a fist to the foot? It's amazing. Also, did you see that Urban Meyer was in all black? And he was shown 10 seconds prior to the game-ending pick. Hands on knees on the sideline. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. LSU versus Clemson title game. Like I said, I got 50 bucks on LSU minus 5.5 at mybookie.ag. You can as well sign up today. Monday, January 13th. So just put it on your calendar. You'll probably forget. Hey, did they ever play that title game? Nope. Still another week away. And by the way, Clemson winning resulted, according to Darren Ravel, in about a 40% reduction in the title game aftermarket for tickets. That had it been Ohio State, seats that would have gone for about eight grand at the 50 are now going for 4500 bucks and may plummet as they get closer to game time. Clemson, not nearly as big of a following as the Ohio State. Despite what Dabo's done to build up the program, still not there. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is coming quick. We've just seen what our teams are now capable of doing, so it's time to get in on the action. Let's go. Let's get some sweet, sweet money on these playoffs, all right? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? Can anyone beat the Niners in the NFC? How about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Well, I'm sure you've got some feelings, some opinions on this. Head on over to mybookie.ag and make those predictions a cash reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry, 
If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for bowl games, my bookie is where you want to go as well. Football's not your thing, huh? I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but okay, that's fine. You like it, you don't want to bet on it. How about basketball? NBA, college, my bookie has it all, including everything all the way to the Premier League, if you want to bet on that. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than just about any other sports book around. Give it a shot. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you'll get an extra grand and free money to play with. All you've got to do is enter my promo code, ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Promo code ZABE to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code ZABE to get your extra cash from my bookie. You bet, you win, and you get paid. You going to talk any NFL today? Spend 33 minutes. All right, let's get to the NFL. The Packers win. The Packers win, thank God. 23-20, your final in Detroit in a game in which they did not lead until there were zeros on the clock, which is exactly how it was in the first game against the Lions. How about that for a stat? 2-0 and against a division opponent in which you never led for any amount of game time. Unbelievable. Aaron Rodgers was for much of the game. He played better in the second half, and he made a couple of throws when they needed him the most. They weren't that impressive, but they were kind of impressive if you take a look at them. Final numbers on A-Rod, 27 of 55, 323, two touchdowns. But here's the real killer. Rob Domofsky tweeted, Aaron Rodgers had 16 overthrows for incompletions. Not only was that a career high, but it's tied for the most by a quarterback since ESPN began tracking them in 2006. The only other guy to have 16 in a game, Josh Freeman, in his lone start with the Vikings in 2013. Wow. And then, of course, the hell of it was on the on the Rodgers pick, he underthrew it when a touchdown, Whitewater Jesus arguably had a step on his guy and could have gone for a touchdown. Rodgers was off. He was off. He was bad for much of the game. And people are saying to me constantly, he's been this way now for a while. That vintage Rodgers is not coming back. I don't know about that. I I don't know. I got to believe it's still there. Maybe he's getting lazy. Maybe he's just not following the scheme. There's too much of him dropping back and flicking these probing, deep sideline passes. Like, all right, let's see if I can fit it in there. And uh, No, no, I can't. And this was the year they were supposed to get more of a structured system, make it easier on Rodgers. His completion percentage was supposed to go up, not down. Now, the touchdowns to INTs, still outstanding. And he did make the two plays that mattered the most, which was the two sidearm passes including the little flip on that interior screen to Aaron Jones that set up the game-winning field goal from one, Mason Crosby. The same guy who missed, count them, five field goals in that building a year ago. Worst day as a pro where you think, God, you know what? We might have to cut this guy. Mason Crosby missed a kick earlier in the game. And the game winner, a little bit crooked, a little bit of a hooker, but it went in. That's all that matters. So the Packers go from being 
huge choking bums who would have forfeited a first round buy to being the two seed. It looks like right now I'm watching the Niner Seahawk game, Niner Simeon command. Ooh, but the Seahawks here of 10 minutes to go in the game, trailing 19 to seven, threatening at the uh, nine yard line for a possible touchdown. Let's check accounts descriptions. Ooh, pass down to the one yard line. Metcalf with the catch. Okay. It's amazing just to think what it would have been like to do the show today with the Packers losing this game and losing a bye week. But here they are. Here they are. Michael Bombasi on Twitter said, might be time for Aaron to dump Danica. He can't handle relationships in football. Oh, and he just bought a house with her? Who's buying houses during a football season? Yes, it was reported that he and Danica just bought a $27 million compound in Malibu with cash. (laughs) They're not even married. Wow. Aaron Nagler, our friend, cheeseheadtv.com, postgame and weekly contributor to my show. Good at Kunst, he says, on Twitter, is drafting a QB in April. Book it, he says. I don't know. I'm still a huge Aaron Rodgers stan, so I'm going to defend him. The second half defensively for the Packers was nuts. Uh, They had the following drives. They they allowed the following drives by the Lions. Five plays, 17 yards, punt. Three plays, one yard, punt. Four plays, 38 yards, field goal. Five plays, five yards, pick. Four plays, 23 yards, punt. Three plays, five yards, punt. 24 plays, 89 yards, three points, INT, end of game. Pretty, pretty good. Andy Herman tweets, one year ago the Packers fell to the Lions 31 to nothing to finish their year 6-9-1 with an interim coach. An earth-shattering offseason, though, including a new coaching staff, four high-priority free agents, and three top 50 draft picks ensued. And today Green Bay heads into Detroit, or it comes home from Detroit 13-3 with a bye in the playoffs. Incredible turnaround. Yes, it was. And it was also kind of lucky. And we have to be at least honest about that. The Packers won 8-1 and one in one-score games. I saw where somebody went through every team's one-score game and flipped the result. So every coin that was flipped on a one-score game, flip, 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 and they listed the standings. Now, a lot of the teams are still where they would have been. The bad teams, the really ones, are at the bottom still. But there was some teams you think weren't very good, like the Chargers would have been a 12-win team. Or something like that. The Packers, if you flipped all their one-win games, if they went 1-8, and eight, they're 5-11. and 11. If you just flip four of their eight wins, they're 9-7 and seven and they are out of the playoffs. And the world looks a whole lot different if that happens. But you know what they say, the winners write the history books and you are what your record says you are. So soak it up, enjoy it, and let's hope this team can find it just a bit offensively in the postseason because the NFC is looking rough. Now to the dumpster fire that is the Redskins. And I'm at 40 minutes now, so I'm going to go 10 minutes and then we'll be done. Redskins finish 3-13. and 13. They get blown out by the Cowboys with a skeleton team that did not include Dwayne Haskins, who had been making strides. Uh, without uh, Terry McLaurin, their outstanding rookie receiver, and without a bunch of other guys in the secondary that the Dallas offense just picked apart. This concludes one of the worst years ever under Dan Snyder. In the 20 years 
since I came back to D.C., came back to the market from my early career radio vagabond ways, Chicago, then Charlotte, coming back to D.C., one of the worst years ever. Was it worse than, say, Zorn 2 or Spurrier 2 or Gibbs? Well, wouldn't Gibbs 4 was a playoff year. Uh, was it worse than Shanahan 4? Yeah, I think his fourth year was his final. They were all bad in their own way. This has been an awful year. And now the fun begins. Ian Rappaport reported Sunday, word is the skins are going to move fast and more changes could be coming on the football side as soon as Monday. And the big question is going to relate to the status of team president Bruce Allen. All reports indicate, and as of this recording, 10.43 p.m. on a Sunday night, Bruce Allen will be reassigned. Stay in the organization focusing on the new stadium. If this happens, it is as unacceptable to me as no changes whatsoever. This Bruce Allen, if you can't fire Bruce Allen, there are bigger issues because what it says to me is, here's a guy who has underperformed insanely. Or that's not the right phraseology. This is a guy who has delivered shit football for a decade. And you can't fire him? Why not? Oh, well, his dad used to coach here. Fucking cares. Well, you know, he is like my confidant. He's the guy that's working all the political angles to get me a new stadium. Yeah? Well, where's the new fucking stadium? Where are the plans? Where's the approval? Where's the land? Who's on your side? Where's the money? Right. He ain't got shit on that. So he's failing both on a football side and as well as on the stadium side. Why wouldn't you fire him? It's because either Dan thinks that it is not Bruce's fault and he didn't want to do him like that. He didn't want to truly sacrifice him to the altar of the fans' anger and that this is just a way to placate or just pull the wool over our eyes, or so he thinks. It won't, and it's not. Or he's such a close drinking buddy, and maybe he's a close drinking buddy, he's a yes man, he's a flak jacket to take all of our ire as Skins fans, that he can't get rid of him. He's got to keep him in the building. That he might want to bring him back at some point. Remember, Vinny was ousted, and then Vinny came right back. Like like a like a stray cat, you, you had taken away and dropped off somewhere far from, from your home. You're like, what are you doing back here? Who knows what Monday will bring? They say that Ron Rivera is coming in. If you want my opinion on who the coach could be or should be, look, Ron Rivera, Marvin Lewis, those are the type of coaches we'll be able to get. That's the best we'll be able to get. We'll be able to get a guy in Rivera who was fired <laughs> midseason. We'll replace a guy who was fired midseason with another guy who was fired midseason. That's not a lot to excite you. I don't necessarily care who the coach is because it doesn't matter if Bruce is still in the building. Unless Bruce is walking out with a cardboard box, gone, goodbye, it's been great, see you later. Nothing really matters. That's where I stand on that. So, I don't know. Marvin Lewis, I mean, nice guy, good head coach, but what are we, the Bengals East? This is a win? This is a coup? But... This is how bad it's gotten. These are the type of coaches that you're going to be able to get, and they're probably worried. I bet Dan is worried that he's going to lose out on Ron Rivera, that Ron is going to have other teams that he's going to have an option on. And by the way, he will. 
So I don't really care about the coach. I'm I'm focused on Bruce. I am like um, Brian Doyle Murray's character, the caddy master in Caddyshack at the end of the movie, where the putt is hanging on the lip, and uh, uh, you know Judge uh, Doctor Beeper thinks he's won. Doctor Beeper and uh, Judge Smales, they're like, oh, pay up. And the course is blowing up all around him. And all he's doing, the caddy master, is he's staring at the ball on the lip. I am staring at Bruce Allen and that cardboard box of his shit that he should take out. They should make sure to get a video of him walking out with his box of shit. If that putt falls, then I'll celebrate. If it doesn't, eh, the coach doesn't really matter. All right, NFL 100. Do I have time for this? I'm checking. Yes, I do. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees were left off the top 100 players list on NFL Network. The big NFL 100, 100 years of the NFL, 100 best players, a very thoughtful effort put in by Bill Belichick, who, huh, amazing. He speaks clearly and loudly and articulately. Wow. It's almost like Bill Belichick is the modern, um, oh, what's the frog? That does the dance routine. I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, Belichick was good on these. I only caught a little bit of it. I was not going to play along with this game because every player that they list is great. I agree. They're all great. That guy's great. That guy's great. That guy's great. Well, what about this guy? Shouldn't he be on there? Okay, whatever. Breeze and Rodgers, I think, are better at the position of quarterback in a more complicated, more violent age and they're more talented at playing the position than guys like Sammy Ball or Otto Graham. I understand, though, that Sammy Ball and Otto Graham were better by leaps and bounds compared to the next best quarterback of their era. And I know that they have winning on their side and that, you know, the big thing against both Breeze and Rodgers is they only won one title. Of course, Favre only won one title, but he's got the consecutive game streak. Elway's on the list. Eh. 56% completion guy, even though completion percentage was just coming around to being a 65 to 70% proposition. I know John Elway's comeback ability. I'm just not in his touchdowns to INTs. You got to take a look at that as well. Elway, of course, five times Super Bowl entrant, two time winner. Okay. Dan fucking Marino is in the top hundred. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> Sell that crazy down the road. Dan Marino was a great passer. And Dan Marino didn't win shit. I'm sorry, but no. I'm not buying Dan Marino. Roger Staubach, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana. Okay, great, great, great. Peyton Manning. Okay, great. Tom Brady, of course. The other two. uh, This is like arguing what's the greatest invention ever. Uh, Frozen food or remote controls for your TV. Uh, penicillin or the polio vaccine? What's better, the uh, forward pass in the NFL or allowing black guys to play in the league? I don't know. They're both very important. What do you think? You can't compare eras logically. I mean, you can, and they tried to, and they put together a list. I've just spent five minutes talking about it. All right, let's get some stats in real quick, and then let's just wrap it up. Oh, and I've got to get to, what did I say I'd get to in the episode here? Uh, yeah, Jameis 30-30. 30 for 30, ESPN, right? Jameis Winston has authored the first ever 30 touchdown, 30 INT season in NFL history. Unbelievable. 
and he wants $30 million a year, according oh, yeah, to one report. Uh, Niners now up 25-14. to 14. They just scored a touchdown. Seven plays, 75 yards, and that should be that. Uh, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. He wants $30 million, and he had seven pick sixes on the season. Seven of them. Pick sixes are the worst. You're supposed to, as a quarterback, have that innate feel of, okay, this is a dangerous pass because if I fuck it up, it's going the other way. Jameis Winston, you don't have that radar. He threw a walk-off overtime pick six to end his rookie five-year deal. I mean, that that's poetry right there. Like, you can't – a 30-for-30 30 30 season, 30-and-30 30 season, he wants $30 million, seven pick sixes on the year, a walk-off overtime pick six to lose – in his fifth and final rookie year deal. Afterwards, Bruce Arian, their head coach, said there's no, there's so much good and so much outright terrible in terms of evaluating Jameis Winston and the future. That is a hell of a quote. All I can say is, Jameis, go ahead and eat that finger W one more time. I want everybody to look at me. I'm going to pass it to corner after I say one thing. Let's go. He licking his That's fingers. A Let's eat one. Let's eat one. That's a W. <laughs> How many people want to eat a W tonight? I'm going to eat a W tonight. Come in. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield, this guy, he was being taunted prior to the game uh, when they were about to lose to the Bengals, a one-win team. And Baker Mayfield just couldn't leave it alone. Take a listen to this exchange. He said, why don't you come down here and say that to my face? We're not allowed to. You know we're not allowed to come down there. <laughs> why don't you come up then? You know we're not allowed to come down there. This is your franchise quarterback. He just can't leave well enough alone. He can't. He he has to get the last word in. A regression year as a sophomore this year. A better who bet $74,430 on the Patriots to beat the Dolphins outright as a 16-point favorite put seventy four grand on the line to win a piddling $4,651 according to William Hill Sportsbooks and according to Darren Ravel. Bom, 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 bom. Meanwhile, on the other side of it, a guy bet $744.55 on the Dolphins to win outright. He won $6,000 and change. That's the way you do it. Did I bet my $50 three-team money line dog parlay? No, I did not. I said I would. That's good enough for me. I felt like when it came down to it, I'm like, this is not going to hit. Save the 50 bucks. I feel like I won 50 bucks. Didn't bet it. Looking pretty good for a while there, though, didn't it? One more, Kevin Harlan. This was great. He was calling the end of the Chiefs-Chargers game, and then he saw how at the same time the Dolphins were about to put the dagger in the backs of the Patriots, giving the Chiefs the number two seed and a bye. Here was Kevin Harlan, who had the best call of the year when the Black Cat ran onto the field at the Meadowlands. 
He's done it once again with this call here. Enjoy. Meanwhile, Miami has first and goal down by four. And they're at the New England four-yard line, first and goal. 29 seconds left. Here, Butker kicks the extra point. And Fitzpatrick throws in the end zone. Touchdown, Miami! The Dolphins have just scored. Gasicki, the tight end, got a laser in the back of the end zone on a goal-to-go touchdown pass by Miami quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to take a lead with 24 seconds to go. The extra point coming up for Miami, leading New England 26-24. to And the crowd now knows it. On the last weekend of the regular season in the NFL, if the Chiefs win and New England loses, the Chiefs will be the two seed. They'll get the bye and they'll have a home game the next weekend. I'm getting confused. What game are you calling? I'm calling both games. (laughs) Here is the extra point. The Dolphins have just gone up on New England 27-24 with 24 seconds to go. CBS is going to send you two checks this week. I think I'm breaking every FCC rule in the book. Now, why is it that he can do that and not come off as a cheesy douchebag? And Joe Tessitore does basically the same act, basically, and he is derided. I'll let you think about that. We can answer it tomorrow. Oh, my God, look at the time. 54 minutes, only by myself. I've overprepared the show and yet underprepared it in some glaring ways as well. So if I made a mistake, do let me know, but go easy on me. It's my first show back after a week off. And I'll leave the Amazon story about getting killed by an Amazon delivery truck. I'll leave that happy story for tomorrow. You'll have to tune in then. Thank you so much for downloading. It is great to be back. Full week of podcasts. Another football five-way Friday edition playoff style coming up for our subscribers on Friday. In the meantime, enjoy these next two days leading up to the New Year's uh, Day Bowl game between uh, the Rose Bowl, Oregon, and Wisconsin. We're going to talk about that a lot as well. And thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is coming quick. We've just seen what our teams are now capable of doing, so it's time to get in on the action. Let's go. Let's get some sweet, sweet money on these playoffs, all right? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? Can anyone beat the Niners in the NFC? How about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Well, I'm sure you've got some feelings, some opinions on this. Head on over to mybookie.ag and make those predictions a cash reality. My bookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for bowl games, my bookie is where you want to go as well. Football's not your thing, huh? I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but okay, that's fine. You like it, you don't want to bet on it. How about basketball? NBA, college, my bookie has it all, including everything all the way to the Premier League, if you want to bet on that. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than just about any other sports book around. Give it a shot. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. 
All you've got to do is enter my promo code ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Promo code ZABE to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code ZABE to get your extra cash from my bookie. You bet, you win, and you get paid.